Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Cool. So we're going to look at Psalm 4 together. Um, and uh, we, we, we just read it before the worship song, but uh, there's something uh, really quite amazing in it, I think, in that uh, it's written by David, I believe to be written in the time of uh, distress for him, a time of difficulty for him, a uh, time when uh, he was really sort of eating the fruit of his own sin uh, in terms of the sin of his relationship with Bathsheba. He had had an affair and had a child and had all kinds of sort of uh, pain flowing into his life out of that. Ultimately, a son that grew up that would try to depose him and dethrone him and steal his kingdom from him. And the moment in which he wrote this song, we believe, is sort of the, the time of exile, a time of when he was uh, sort of slinking out of the city with his kingship sort of taken from him and not knowing what his future held. But what's amazing about it is that uh, we see some signs uh, in this distressing time of some incredible uh, emotional maturity, some incredible ability to handle these difficult moments um, with uh, tremendous grace. And so I want to just give you the main idea uh, right off the top so that you really understand it is what we believe is that it's possible to journey uh, from a place of emotional distress to a feeling of safety uh, without changing your circumstances. That's a pretty bold statement. It's a pretty crazy statement because mm-hmm. uh, so often when we look at uh, difficult challenges in our lives, we're, we're trying hard to fix the, the circumstances. We're trying to fix the outward thing. Um, but it's actually the inward thing is that's going to be the thing that really gives us peace, that really anchors us, that really makes us safe, because we aren't always in control of our circumstances. And so that's just the beauty of that first verse when when he cries out and says, answer me when I call. It's kind of sounds sort of demanding and audacious. We'll see that there's some real humility in it in just a moment. But uh, his solution isn't save me. Now, sometimes he does pray, save me. Sometimes he does pray, deliver me. But in this particular case, his his uh, longing is for a relationship with God. His longing is to hear from God. It's not just for God to fix the circumstances. And so there's just a, a maturity in that. There's a beauty in that. So when you're facing moments of exile, moments of difficulty, moments of challenge, moments of being uh, closed in, uh, we know that God can actually enable you to walk through those difficult times with incredible grace, uh, with maturity, and with uh, uh, security in a way that's sort of supernatural and uh, and powerful. So that's the longing there. Um, so it says uh, that when that, that there are certain things in those times that we, we actually want to cling to then, isn't there? We have those moments of being sort of kicked out of the city, kicked out of our comfortable lives, kicked out of a, an easy situation. Um, there are things that we kind of want to cling to in those moments of exile. And that's really what that distress word means, is it means uh, being hemmed in. It means being in a narrow place. It means having your options limited. It means having uh, a closeness around you. It means sort of being under siege. And so that's what we imagine David was experiencing in Second Samuel uh, 15, is he's leaving the city, he's leaving with some family, but all of the trappings of his kingship, are totally gone. Um, so how does he live with that? How does he do it? There are things that we would normally cling to. We would cling to uh, our successes or our righteousness, right? When uh, difficult things happen to you, when you're accused, when you're in a challenging spot, uh, you you tend to say, hey, I, I did all this stuff right. I did all these things well. You tend to bolster your self-esteem by looking at the good things you've done. So we cling to that. We cling to our status with others. We want what others to see in our lives, to be 
the good things. We want what others to see in our lives to be positive because we want affirmation from them in those times of exile. Uh, we uh, cherish our ability to fight, our ability to counteract the circumstances, to uh, make a difference, to do whatever we can do to change our circumstances. Or in some cases, uh, we tend to want to seek revenge or to hurt people that have hurt us. Um, our giveability, one of the things that I so often hear and one of the things that I do when I'm when I'm hurt, I really want to control my give ability. I want to control my ability to um, how much I worship, how much I give of my time, how much I give of my energy. I come into a protectionist way of saying, hey, I'm under it. I have limited ability to handle this situation. So I'm going to focus just on myself a little bit. Um, and then we uh, tend to, of course, cling to our material blessings. And so this psalm actually addresses all of those things. And David having a really mature uh, approach to uh, finding security in the midst of the difficulty without clinging to these things. And in fact, he gives himself away in some of these areas in an amazing way. And we can just learn a lot from his approach here. So we mentioned this before, answer me when I call. He's actually seeking relationship before deliverance. And so we just want to say at the very beginning, when we're under it, when we're in a difficult circumstance, that's the thing to seek, of course, is to seek God and not, not the stuff, not to be, I mean, of course, we want to be delivered from the circumstances. We want God to heal us. We want God to give us our jobs back. We want God to provide finances for us, all of those things. And, and that's, that's legitimate to want God to do those things. But... The primary thing, the best thing is to just want God, right? To just want him. And then no matter what happens with the material things, um, you've got the presence of God uh, caring for you. So we look at this sort of audacious prayer. Oh, answer me when I call. It seems like such a, almost a proud and a puffed up prayer. But listen to what he says after that. He says, answer me when I call, oh God of my righteousness. And there's something really, really cool in that because, you know, we would normally, as I said, want to sort of point to our righteousness, point to the good things that we've done, say, hey, I'm not at fault here. This is something that's happening to me and sort of shove aside responsibility um, and sort of list off the things that are good about it. I mean, we would tend to do that in our lives because we want God to hear us. So God can only hear us in our thinking if we've got our lives together, right? And he um, sort of says, you know what, I, I have righteousness. Uh, some of this isn't my fault. Some of it is. I don't know how to sort that all out. But he says, whatever is righteous in me, I didn't do it. It's not my righteousness. I don't own my righteousness. You are the God of my righteousness. You're my righteousness as God. My righteousness worships you. My righteousness is sacrificed to you. My righteousness is laid down before you. My righteousness finds its source in you. My righteousness has to bow before you. And so that's a very, very different posture than ours. Our, our normal posture would be, hey, this is the good stuff about me, God. This is my stuff. I own this stuff. I did this stuff. I behaved in this way, so you should listen to me. That tends to be our posture. But what we're really called to do is say, hey, I didn't do any of this stuff. I'm coming with humility and saying, hey, there's messes in my life too. 
and I need to let all of it be given up to you and let all of it serve you. So that's just the first thing when we're in these times of exile uh, to see what David did. He walked through it with incredible uh, humility, not self-defense, not self-righteousness, but God-righteousness. So that's just the first step. Emotional maturity means seeing our righteousness not as ours but it's his. Um, and that's again, very challenging for us because we tend to get defensive. We tend to like want to camp out on the things about us that are great. But David just lays it all down before the father. Great maturity there. He goes on, it says, oh man, how long shall my honor be turned to shame? Um, and then verse three, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. So David is saying, hey, wait a minute here. I don't belong uh, in the same camp as uh, my honor, my shame, my honor, my reputation, what everybody thinks about me, um, that that is bugging me. This is frustrating to me. I'm feeling the pain of disconnection here. I'm feeling the pain of people's bad opinions of me. I don't like that. But hold on a second. The Lord has set me apart for himself. I am not here to earn the approval of others. I am not here to uh, receive affirmation from others. Uh, I don't have to live with um, a, a perfect reputation. Sometimes God could call me to do things that are unpopular. Uh, sometimes things can happen to me that are out of my control. Sometimes my uh, image can be destroyed. But that's not really what's important. My security is meant to be found in him. He has called me to himself. So emotional maturity uh, means finding our belonging in him, our sense of connectedness, our sense of belonging. It says this then that the Lord hears when I call to him. And we tend to, when we're in difficult places, when we're in exile, when we're uh, being challenged, when, when bad things are happening to us, to call out to the marketplace, to call out to our friends. And it's good to reach out for help. It's good to connect that way. But very often we're trying to build up our image again, right? We're very often trying to build up our profile again. We're very often trying to uh, defend ourselves in the marketplace, in the public sphere. And David just very quietly says, hold on. The Lord in this moment has set me apart for him. And that's where true affirmation comes from. So emotional maturity means finding our belonging in him. And then he says this, he says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Salah. So, uh, again, this is incredible, right? Like I am angry. Like these things have happened to me. These people have attacked me. These people have impugned my reputation. These people have uh, tried to take something away from me. Um, a life is really, really hard right now. I'm really frustrated by my circumstances. And he's saying, be angry, like carry that anger, like be honest about it. Don't shove it away. Don't just say, Hey, it's all good. It's all in God's hands. It's all cool. It's all good. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Well, slowly the anger is churning and churning and churning and building up and you, you blow up, right? That's, that's the way it works. If you stuff all of that anger, ultimately it builds up in your life and begins to control you, right? We don't want to live in that way. So David says, be angry, but then don't sin with it. Don't weaponize it. Don't use that anger uh, to seek justice. Don't use that anger to hurt the person who's hurt you. Don't use that anger to um, lash out. Uh, don't use that anger 
because when you move out of it, um, you're only really going to hurt yourself. So he says, be angry, feel it, but take it to your bed. Lie down. Take it in your heart. Ponder it. Be silent. So emotional maturity means being honest about our emotions without weaponizing them. And I would say, uh, just it's not in the text here exactly, but find that close friend, that person that you can really trust. And without, uh, without hurting them with it, um, you need somebody to walk with you through these moments as well. So there is yes alone on your bed in the presence of God. But uh, David took his family with him in this story, right? So find your spiritual family and walk uh, through these moments with them as well. And it says this, it says, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Offer right sacrifice and put your trust in the Lord. One of the things we tend to do when we're under siege, when we're in difficulty, is we tend to want to manage our uh, emotional strength. We tend to want to manage our resources. We tend to want to manage um, our capacity in a way that very often we'll see people that when they're going through a difficult time will pull back from worship or pull back from generosity or pull back from uh, hospitality or pull back from loving others uh, because we, we are just lacking capacity. We just feel like we're under it. We, we don't have it. And David says something really counterintuitive here. He says, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Saying, don't close yourself off from worship. Don't close yourself off from the presence of God. And for sure, don't close yourself off from spiritual disciplines. Even in moments of exile, we imagine, I don't know what it was like for David in that time of uh, marching out of the city and hiding from Absalom, having almost no resources. Maybe they took some sheep and some goats, or maybe they were um, cared for by people in the countryside around. But all that while, while David had nothing, his kingship had been ripped away from him. He's still doing worship. He's still creating spaces of altar around him. He's still creating spaces to uh, pour out his life, to pour out his heart before God, uh, to repent. And so he hasn't like closed it up and got into a wounded place where he's uh, closed himself off from the community of faith. He's still worshiping in the midst of the difficulty. So emotional maturity means uh, maintaining spiritual disciplines even when it feels like you just don't have the energy. David does a beautiful thing there. Um, goes on, verse 6 and 7 says, There are many who say, who will show us some good? And so he's pointing towards other people in the community who are sort of saying, Hey God, will you just bless me? Will you just give me uh, a new car? Will you uh, pay my bills? Will you uh, make sure my home? All this sort of stuff, right? We tend to look towards these material things. God, just show me some good stuff. Show me the good life. Show me the resources, whatever it is. And David's points to uh, something different for the source of his joy. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. So David is pointing to a direct source of joy that's greater than the joy that comes from having all your stuff together. So he's pointing again to this idea that um, you can have peace in spite of your circumstances. Um, that you can have something in terms of a vertical, authentic, deep, rich relationship with God and have true joy in the midst of horrible, difficult things. We see incredible stories of this, of people who survived the Holocaust, uh, Christians who were imprisoned uh, in, in Russia in various uh, times of persecution, Christians who are uh, imprisoned in China. Uh, they tell stories of being in jail, tortured, starved, in incredible pain in times of what should be absolute exile, and then experiencing the mighty 
presence of God, giving them joy in their hearts. So it is possible for us to find joy when our circumstances are horrible. So emotional maturity means finding in God himself more than finding joy in his blessings. So all of these things are just sort of totally counterintuitive to us. They're counterintuitive to our desire for self-preservation, our desire to protect ourselves, our desire to take care of ourselves, our desire to build up our image, uh, our desire to uh, remember our own righteousness before the Lord, our desire to uh, have material things. All of these things that we talked about, they're all like self-protection, self-build, self-care. And that's what everything in society tells you to do when you're in difficult circumstances. You've got to just take care of yourself. And David's approach is so counterintuitive. He's ultimately going to get the best care that you can possibly imagine. But he gets it by giving himself away. He gets uh, self-care by giving himself away. The only way to keep yourself truly safe is to give yourself away. And that's what David does in an incredibly beautiful way in this text. He gives away his reputation. He gives away his righteousness. He says, that's yours, Lord. Uh, he gives away his material blessings and says, I don't care about that. I just want your presence. Um, so he acts in a very, very different way from how we're taught to act. And in the end, what he finds is that in the middle of his circumstances, in peace, I will both lie down and I will sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety you make me dwell in safety in God safety can be found when life is not safe he's got you he cares for you and so just encourage you to revisit this psalm and have a look at it and uh, begin to track with David and his story in how he uh, finds safety in the midst of uh, incredible challenge come ahead Jake and let's uh, let's pray together Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.